welcome to the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast, Real Perspective. Um, this is an ongoing podcast where uh, myself, MJ Smith, and your co-host, Michael Moray, go and talk about a, uh, a current release film, usually a current release film or topic of our interest that's also in the cultural zeitgeist, and also the topic that's in the cultural zeitgeist. <laughs> um, it's, it's basically as simple as that. So it's, it's this kind of capsule movie review show slash macro level look at what's happening in and around the entertainment industry. Um, and that's the show. This is episode four. We're going to be talking about um, Justice League and Rotten Tomatoes. And we're actually going to switch the format up a little bit this week because we have less to say about the movie and more to say about the main topic. And so I figured it would be best to kind of get all the, the, the movie talk out of the way first because it's going to be less. Um, there's not a lot to say about the movie. But before we do that, I want to talk about something um, that I think we both need to make clear before um, we talk about anything related to the movie or the Rotten Tomato score or the criticism. And that's what happened with Zack Snyder. Um, we talked about it on the old podcast, the Before and After Show, as part of our, our news uh, segment. And so what happened, if you don't know, back in March of this year? Something like that. In March of this year, um, Zack Snyder announced that he was leaving Justice League. Uh, not the DCEU, but Justice League in general. And the reason for that is because uh, about a month earlier, his daughter committed suicide. Um, and somehow they kept that out of the news until he mentioned he was departing the film. And with that announcement came the announcement that Joss Whedon would be stepping in. It had recently been announced that Joss Whedon was going to be making a Batgirl film, uh, presumably as part of the DCEU, um, and that he would be coming in to sort of shepherd Justice League into the market in time for its November release date so that they wouldn't lose any time on it. Um... So I think what we have to say is that when that happened, at the very least, my, not that I thought he was a bad guy, but my perception of Jack, Zack Snyder changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I will have nothing but respect for that man and his integrity and character as like a human being. Yes. What no, like no matter what I say about this movie, because I didn't like it very much, mm-hmm. um, I just want to make that clear from the get-go that none of this is an attack on Snyder as a human being because he is clearly a stand-up guy. Yep. Um, I don't know, Mike, if you have anything to elaborate on that, but I no. wanted to make sure that was clear. Uh, other than just the fact that it's incredibly brave to go and do that mm-hmm. after such a tragedy, to go and step away and not just pour yourself into your work and do the cliche thing. Well, is... and I liked how honest he was that he tried that and yeah. realized that his family was suffering as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. It really... It shows that he's like a good husband and father. And, you know, I'm not a father or will be anytime soon, but I am a husband. And that went a long way with me. Um, Just seeing that, you know, he's setting an example at the top, especially, you know, in kind of a tumultuous entertainment industry this this year. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think that goes and proves that, that, um, you know, no matter what the art he makes is, he's a man full of integrity and... um, is concerned with doing the right thing. And I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, none of what we have to say, none of our criticisms about the movie or any movie from his, this point forward will ever be a criticism of Zack Snyder as an individual. I think, um, forever that guy has my respect that like blew me away when that happened. So Mm -hmm. 
That being said, um, Justice League came out this weekend. It is the film in the DCEU. Uh, fifth is what I want to say. It's fourth? I'm not sure. Man of fourth. Steel, uh, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, this. Fifth. Oh. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, that's right. I didn't see Wonder Woman. So. Okay. Um, right. It's actually the best one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's still kind of okay. Uh so yeah this is the fifth one it's actually the second one this year which we've just kidding i was gonna say we've never had two in the same year but suicide squad and batman v superman came out in the same year and then wonder woman and this came out in the same year. yeah oh yeah. All right. i was saying yeah. that this was the oh. first one but i realized that was not true got it um so obviously the dceu is playing catch up with the marvel cinematic universe marvel's been going on for nine years at this point they're having their their 10 year anniversary next year which is insane to me mm-hmm. And, you know, when Marvel came out, they were in the middle of the Dark Knight trilogy, so it's not like they could go and immediately start building an extended universe out of those movies. They were always meant to be standalone, and at that time, Christopher Nolan's word was gospel in Hollywood. So even if they had the idea for a cinematic universe at that point, there's no way Christopher Nolan would let them integrate his version of Batman into that universe. So Mm -hmm. they were kind of behind the eight ball but the eight ball was the Dark Knight, so it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> a movie that grossed like a billion dollars. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and is like one of the best superhero movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. So they they were like I said behind the eight ball, and they went and made Man of Steel, which was this reboot of Superman, and then. Uh, a couple years later, we got Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad in the same year. They're taking an, uh, this sort of anti-Marvel approach where, uh, you know, uh, just in the sense that everything's like dark and serious. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have post-credit scenes until this movie. Um, this, is the, <laughs> this is the first one that has post-credit scenes. Um, and on paper, I kind of respect that. Yeah. I like the idea of them not having to do the Marvel thing. Mm -hmm. They recognize Marvel does its own thing and Marvel does its own thing well. And so we need to, in order to um, gain a foothold in the market, need to differentiate ourselves somehow. Right. It doesn't always work, (laughs) but I respect the idea behind it. Um, The problem is they do their own thing and they don't do it well. Yeah, And then they try to do Marvel's thing and they don't do it well either, which is Justice League. Right. So Man of Steel is the first one to that. I I think you like that movie actually more than I do. I like it. Uh, I don't like it really. Okay, I liked it. I'll say that. <laughs> However, the thought of watching it again is extremely painful to me. Okay. <laughs> it's a very exhausting movie. Okay, yes. It is very bombastic. Yes. I've seen it twice. I actually saw it in the theater twice. Um, and I fell asleep both times. <laughs> um, not that I think it's necessarily a boring movie, though I do think it's a little boring. The, my main problem with the movie is actually not the main problem everyone has with the movie, which is that... Um, there's a lot of big like world ending destruction in the movie and like super they people view superman as the arbiter of all that yeah he's not no, like no, I, it's such a weird criticism it's a, such a bad criticism like i will i will defend that to like tooth and nail yeah um and the murder of zod at the end as well yeah i don't I, that I, didn't bother me didn't bother me at all uh <laughs> As a matter of fact, I like a little bit liked that. I like yeah. the idea, especially if you're going to go, they didn't capitalize on it, but if you're going to go and do like Batman v Superman after that, like there's your end point right there of like this basically, you know, this guy who has this reputation for being this overgrown boy scout 
is a murderer and then the guy who's sort of the emo version of that is not the murderer like that's a really cool flipping of those characters and i think it works in mm-hmm. especially in the 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 tone they're setting for the dceu now a couple of years later we got batman v superman and none of that was in <laughs> in the in the movie um batman v superman was also directed by Zack snyder and was our introduction to batman in the form of ben affleck as bruce wayne slash batman and uh it came out to a lot of controversy actually um a lot of people didn't like it right. a lot of people didn't like it had a really it has like a 16 percent on rotten tomatoes or something yeah, it's, it's pretty bad um i'm kind of fine with it i don't i'm whatever about it like it's so i don't know it like tried some stuff it did it tried some things which i like yeah it's definitely (laughs) ambitious yeah um the problem with it is which you can say about every Zack snyder movie i think yes i agree and that's something i do respect about what he tries to do is he tries to tackle what he thinks are serious subjects i'm not sure he's equipped to go and deal with them like i feel like he's like a high schooler like doodling edgy (laughs) crap yeah he doesn't have like the knowledge to or wisdom to go and actually flush them out. Yeah. There's a couple real great moments in that movie though. There's a whole Superman yeah. montage. That's actually fantastic. Um, and I really like that opening scene. Of, yeah. The opening scene is really good. Yep. Yeah. There's some things that work well in the vacuum, but then it adds up and it doesn't. Yeah. It and it's over long. Now I, I haven't seen the ultimate cut, which supposedly fixes a lot of the problems. As a matter of fact, I had every intention of watching that this week before I saw justice league and I got onto the Amazon account that I, I piggyback off of, and I noticed that person bought the Vince Vaughn film Brawl in Cell Block 99 and watched that instead. <laughs> um, it's a good movie, by the way. And uh, so I still haven't seen it. I, I'm actually willing to give that a shot because the director's cut of Watchmen is vastly superior to the theatrical cut of Watchmen. Zack Snyder is kind of the new Ridley Scott in that he does not have control over his edits whatsoever. Uh, Justice League notwithstanding, because that was circumstances out of his control. Right. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I feel like there are going to be a couple problems maybe fixed with the Ultimate Cut, but it is also three hours of Batman and Superman being real broody. Which is exhausting. Yeah, the movie's too dark for its own good. Yeah, and then the show that started the the, the movie that started it all with uh, myself and Mike, Suicide Squad, came out, and it is poop trash. <laughs> anyway, so this year, uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman came out, and it's gotten rave reviews. It's getting an Oscar campaign, uh, which is nuts to me. It doesn't stand a chance, but uh, it's a decent movie. It's it's an okay movie. It's not quite as ambitious or about something as batman v superman is but it kind of works in its favor also gal gadot is really good she's just likable yeah she's got a really good screen presence she's easy to root for it's very earnest yeah yeah there's yeah earnest there's there's an earnestness um in her eyes she's a really great eyeball actress yeah um which is like the thing when people go and criticize her acting i disagree from the standpoint that there's more to just acting than saying the dialogue yeah like it's like your whole body it's a physical thing and there's like a glint in her eye that is very appealing and winsome yes um actually my favorite moments in the movie come from her and justice league come from her agreed 
Um, so she keeps that movie kind of together. It's it's a little bit of a mess, and the third act is real bad, mm-hmm. uh, except for some stuff that happened with Chris Pine's character and her character. A lot of the character work is really good in it. Um, a lot of the stuff with her actually in the mascara is really good. Um, so it was it was a little bit of for some people, a lot of people, for the majority of people, it was a step in the right direction for the DCEU. It didn't quite cross over into the Marvel thing, but it was a little lighter than the previous DCEU films. I thought it hit like a really good tonal balance. Um, so then we got Justice League this last weekend. Uh, like we said, the tragedy struck the Snyder household and Joss Whedon came in to figure it out and re-edit the film. And it turns out reshoot a lot of the film. They reshot over the summer, um, which was not that long ago. Nope. <laughs> and um, kind of put together this sort of uh, Frankenstein version of Justice League that has Whedon's stamp on it and Snyder's stamp on it. And it doesn't work. No. Really at all. Mike, what did you think about Suicide Squad? By which I mean Justice League. <laughs> Whatever. They're all the same. They're all the same. Um, I really didn't like it, man. I don't want to say I hated it. Because right. I wouldn't go that strongly. But it's just such a mess. It's such a nothing movie. Yeah. It's, it's like... If you ask somebody to go and reverse engineer the Avengers, but then apply it to DC you would go and get Joss Whedon to do it, which is exactly what they did. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's just so plain and boring and dull and unambitious. Yeah. And... Like, honestly, uh, the stuff that was Snyder's in there was the stuff I wanted to see more of. Yeah, you... I know the Snyder version would have been dark and grim and... But they... Well, okay. Let me go back. There was already some rumors that before Justice League was going to be made, that due to the response to Batman v Superman, like a week before they were going to start producing Justice League, they're going to add some more jokes and levity and stuff like that. And there were stu- indications, even at Comic Con, like three or four months into filming, that that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were already going to lighten things up a bit. Um, however, to the degree that they did, I don't think they were no. planning on that much. No. Um, but I think what you would have gotten is a movie that would have been at least a little more weighty, even if it landed like a rock, it would have like weighed something. What we got instead was something that's so weightless and airy that it was just meaningless. Yeah. Um, basically what happens is at the end of Batman v Superman, Superman dies, spoilers, and, there's like this otherworldly threat um, for, you know, DC Comics lore nerds. It's like the new gods or whatever and like Darkseid. And so Darkseid's uh, uncle, I want to say, Steppenwolf, I think. Um, I'm So here's the thing. I'm a DC guy when it comes to my comic books. I actually like their heroes a lot. Um, Batman's like my favorite superhero and then Swamp Thing very closely after. Um, I like their, to be sort of a hipster about it, I like a little bit of their more obscure um, mm. superheroes uh batman notwithstanding obviously (laughs) um and uh i think they get some really interesting character stuff in their comics um that i think could translate well to the screen but they do have to be a little bit darker dc's all dc is all across the board always been a little bit darker than marvel um and i think those two things can coexist and i think they should i like that um so for dc lore nerds uh steppenwolf who's i believe darkseid's uncle uh other nerds correct me about that um, is basically trying to 
get these three infinity stones mother boxes not necessarily the fault of the movie that's just how the comics are <laughs> he's trying to get these three uh cubes um and get them all in the same location to form this thing called the unity and uh do something with it <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is he trying oh, ter- I, terraform no that was zod and man of steel no I, f- I feel like it was also terraform in this they, one it's but... so it's not clear what the yep. um <laughs> what the mother boxes do when they come together and form the unity but, but we know it's bad, bad. Made um, the sky red yeah and but, also threatened the Russian family. <laughs> One of them. Right. Anyway, we'll get into that. Um, so uh, that's Steppenwolf's like whole thing. And then, um, you know, Batman is kind of, you know, World's Greatest Detective has been kind of on the case, uh, especially since they see kind of a power vacuum now that Superman is dead. Which he feels some guilt over. Which he does feel some guilt Batman over. Batman v Superman. Right. Um, but the, like, so Steppenwolf and his army see a power vacuum. So uh, Batman starts tracking them because he thinks he's obligated to and kind of uncovers this mystery. It's not very well done, but that's no. basically what happens. He detectives his way into it. Mm-hmm. Um, for like a scene. Yeah, for the <laughs> opening scene and that's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of finds out about Steppenwolf and the, you know, especially sans Superman they definitely need to form a team of superheroes, a league of superheroes. And so he starts kind of investigating... Some kind of league of justice. Yeah. Um, So he goes and starts investigating other people with abilities and goes and kind of gets the team together, and some of them are reluctant. It's pretty by-the-numbers getting-the-band-together stuff. And it takes an hour. And it takes an hour of the (laughs) two-hour runtime. And then for another hour, they fight the bad guy, and then the movie's over. Yeah. That's it. Really? It, like it. all the setup hap- the, all the setup I just mentioned is the first 10 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. then there's 50 minutes of getting the team together then there's an hour of fighting Steppenwolf in two locations basically uh, um, no there's an hour of getting the team together one fight scene with Steppenwolf Superman comes back then they fight Steppenwolf for 50 minutes yes <laughs> um, and that's that's it like that's what I'm saying it's such a nothing movie so it's thin. just it's so thin and like not like the villain doesn't work which is technically fine because none of the marvel villains work but those movies are still somehow greater than the the whole of that mm-hmm. um they've like figured out how to make the ancillary stuff better right um and this one just is like here we are yeah like i feel like i just have to go and spend like an hour just talking about everything it does wrong and like all of it is so obvious at this point where you know, they've completely bungled the world building from the start with yeah. this stuff. They didn't want to go through the effort of setting up every single character and then combining them. So this movie has the unfortunate pleasure of having to go and basically introduce three characters whole cloth in the form of Aquaman and Cyborg and Flash and all their myriad backstories. You know, mm-hmm. like it's so exhausting. Like it felt like the movie like started again and again and again, just like Suicide Squad did like a year ago. Yeah. It was like, okay, now we know what this guy's about, kinda. And yeah. it was like, just kidding, now we know what this guy's about. And like they go and talk to these guys like multiple times and but they haven't joined completely and then finally they join and like it doesn't feel well earned or like a big payoff. It's when they two join. hours of completely unearned moments. Right. Because um, we don't know who half these damn people are. No, we don't. Like, they lay out maybe the barest of, like, motivations for why they are doing what they're doing. But mm-hmm. And then they go and have, like, a scene in the middle where they kind of, like, 
have a moment where they maybe reject the adventure or bring on, and then they have like a moment of resolution at the end. Like, you know, obviously you need that in storytelling to go and be effective, but that's it. Like they have literally those three moments, maybe each. Yeah. And that's, that's what they think is a character arc. And yep. maybe in the barest sense it is, but it's not satisfying. No. And like, there's, there's actually like halfway decent motivations that I feel like Zack Snyder maybe wouldn't have delivered on, but maybe gotten into a little bit more like cyborg on paper is kind of interesting. Cause he's forced into this cybernetic body that he didn't ask for, but his father kind of greedily, forced it upon him and so those types of characters really work for me yeah like characters whose fates were not like chosen by chosen them. by them like dr manhattan like he could have just been dr manhattan but a cyborg instead of like an alien guy it's like the classic like frankenstein yeah i love frankenstein i love hulk mm-hmm. um you know i love swamp thing those are all things and i'm not sure that's the um that's a an angle on cyborg they've ever taken and i like that yeah um i like the idea of him like struggling with now what does it mean to be yeah um you know not even what does it mean to be a human being it's like what does it mean to exist Mm -hmm. the way i am because there is no one else like me right all none of that is there (laughs) what we get there is like well he has that question it doesn't get answered then he goes booyah yeah into the movie i'm happy to be alive he has one great scene with wonder woman Mm -hmm. that like i wanted to keep going and then it didn't and a lot of that had to deal with the fact that gal gadot is really good in the movie and Mm -hmm. The earnestness and empathy for him comes out so much in their interaction um, that it actually, I think, forced Ray Fisher to be better in the scene. Um, And that was one of my favorite character interactions in the movie was her talking to him, trying to get him to join the league, Mm -hmm. and him just being like, I'm a monster. Like Frankenstein. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And... So, like, that kind of works in my brain, but it doesn't work in the movie. Mm -hmm. Aquaman is terrible in the movie but like technically his arc is kind of interesting in that he's like this disgraced prince of atlantis kind of yeah but they don't really explore that but like that sounds like a cool take on aquaman it does sound cool but he he's not the one that like registered the least with me which was Mm -hmm. weird because he was so like omnipresent in the marketing for it and like yeah he's like he was just gonna be this dude bro character which he kind of is but then He's just kind of brooding, and he just disappears for, like, large stretches of the movie. Yeah. I honestly can't remember, like, much of anything that he does to contribute to much of anything. Besides, like, that one part where he goes and stops, like, the flood. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's the only notable character, not character moment, like, action moment he's got. Well, he's got the, like, the sky fight, too, where he, like, surfs on the guy through the building. Right. And that's it. Like, those are, like, the only two things he does in the... Yeah, he just, like, is a nothing character. Then we got Flash, who... I mean, I don't, I don't even understand what his story was. Yeah. Really, like, he's working odd-end jobs to go and pay for his dad's... Is it paying for... Is this for himself? He's trying to get his dad off to... because he feels like his dad was falsely like, accused. Okay, all right. Um, also, his dad is Billy Crudup, and I was not expecting surprise Billy Crudup in no. this movie. Uh, and he's, like, pretty good in it because I, yeah. I like Billy Crudup. <laughs> um, and... Uh, but, like, so that even is kind of interesting of, like, you know, he's the young kind of bright-eyed kid being introduced to this like this kind of to borrow a line from the mummy actually that came out this year it being introduced to this like new world of like gods and monsters Mm -hmm. like he has these superpowers but and you know obviously knows who superman is but he's so small potatoes that he doesn't think superman or batman are gonna want him for anything yeah but like that's not in the character that's on screen and like he's just obnoxious instead of like conflict like 
I, there's like a way to do his like enthusiasm that's not annoying right but and but like still annoying like annoying and endearing like um ed in cowboy bebop yes like if they would have relegated him to like right. an ed type mm-hmm. of character that would have been great because like she's kind of obnoxious but she's also really great yes and this flash could have been that mm-hmm. but he just wasn't he was just kind of obnoxious yeah and he has like a not, I mean, a kind of fairly morbid backstory. I mean, the same way yeah. that Cyborg has a morbid backstory. Yeah. But you don't, like, really get a sense of the weight of any of it. Yeah. And then the movie's just too busy trying to, like, be fun and stuff that, like, on paper it sounds okay, but in execution, I just don't even remember it. Like, this falls yeah. flat. Yeah. Um, there aren't very many action beats in the movie. No. And none <laughs> of them are memorable. Now, to be fair, we did sit really close. Yeah. to the screen so i can't comment on how comprehensive or <laughs> on whether or not the, the action sequences were cohesive i had a hard time you know uh kind of registering what was going on and i don't know if that's because the movie does look like garbage or it does look like garbage it, or if it is because we were so close to the screen yeah because well it didn't help that's for sure it didn't help um, and, you know, there's not to go and blast the CG or anything like that, because I think most of this stuff was reshot, so they yeah. literally had a couple months to work on it, Yeah. but it shows. Yeah, it does. There's some bad compositing in it. Yeah. It took me out of it, and I'm not going to go and complain about that stuff in, like, a review like this, but there's just so many amateur hour kind yeah. of mistakes throughout it, and yeah. you mean Superman's CG <laughs> His lip. face, lips, combo, because... Yeah backstory had henry cavill had a mustache that he was using for mission impossible and uh the company universal i think paramount paramount um wouldn't let him go and shave it to do the reshoots for justice league even though apparently the rumor in the street was that warner brothers was willing to go and fund uh paramount to go and add C- a cg beard they were like no you're not going to go and shave it off so instead, what we have is a weird Superman who like looks like he got like his beard photoshopped off yeah. because he did, yeah. um, and you can tell like there's some scenes where it's okay, like yeah. also there's some scenes where it's okay, but every time I was just so distracted by like, something's like weird yeah. about his face. What I will say is that <laughs> the the only comparison I have is that we were really close. We were really close. Uh, yeah. We were in the second row yeah. from the front. <laughs> um, it was a nearly sold out showing. And, uh, mistakenly, (laughs) they showed a trailer for Ready Player One Mm -hmm. beforehand. It's a real, real bad idea to show a trailer for a Spielberg movie before a movie like Justice League. Because... Uh, Spielberg is such a better director than <laughs> Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon yeah. that, you know, and it, it also could be that I've seen the trailer about three times now, but I had a, an easier time deciphering what was going on in the Ready Player One trailer than I did what was going on in the, mm-hmm. as far as the action beats, because the, the trailer ends with this like kind of bombastic car chase sequence, but at no point was I like sick or confused yeah. about what was happening. And that's because in the hands of a filmmaker like Spielberg, he knows what to do with his camera. Yeah. And in this sort of hodgepodge reshoot, let's get it done, get out of here, you kind of are shooting for what you can. Yeah. Um. So, and I've seen both Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder make decent action sequences. Yeah, and so I'm not really sure. I'm fairly confident that most of this was... Whedon. Just because of the time. Yeah, but I feel like... There's just nothing memorable about it. Nope. Like, Man still had much better fighting in it. Mm-hmm. Batman v Superman had much better fighting in it. Yep. Avengers had much better fighting in it. So, 
I just think it's like a they didn't have enough time to go and cook this movie. Yeah. And yep. there's like kernels of a good movie. Like all the stuff that we laid out with some of these characters, on paper it sounds like, okay, you can go and actually make like a decent character arc and yeah. flesh things out. But it doesn't go there. Yeah. Like, is there anything you liked about the movie? Gal Gadot was one woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe. Like, but she's not given much to do, yeah. really. Like, you can kind of tell that some of the reshoots placed her a little bit more at the forefront. Yeah. Um, because the people were responding to that movie. So it's like, here's more of her. You guys like her, right? Yeah. Um, but the way she in- is intro into the movie is atrocious. Like, that bank heist slash terrorist making a bomb scene makes yeah. no sense. Like, yeah. huh? Like, they go and do, like, they take over a bank to go and set up a bomb that can blow up a couple of blocks. Like, why don't you just blow up a couple of blocks? Like, yeah. Huh? It's just, that whole scene's very poorly directed and conceived. Yeah. Um, and she's not given a lot to do, but when, and she's also part of that terrible scene of exposition where she meets up with Bruce and explains who Steppenwolf and... I freaking hate that name, man. Um, and the Parademons, which I also hate that name, like are up to. Um, and it just feels like a and video And why they game. travel via boom tubes. Yeah. Now, mercifully, the movie does not introduce the concept of the, the boom, boom tube. tube. <laughs> but still, like in the mother box, I hate all of that. Like, I hate all that terminology yeah. crap. And it just felt like a video game cutscene where... Like, they have, like, some elder character explain, like, click the three things and do that and stop the bad guy from getting the three things. In all fairness, technically not the fault of the filmmakers for the naming of those things. True. However, at the same time, like, I feel like a filmmaker could go and have the wits about them to go and maybe change the names of these things. And people, I don't think, would be that ticked off if they changed the name of the mother box. Yeah, it's true. So, um, so she's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh... Henry Cavill as Superman is better in this than... That's the most I've ever liked him in the movie. Right. I really liked him in this movie. Yeah, it was nice to see him be, like, kind of fun and smiling and stuff like that. Because... I felt like he was able to show off his range a little bit more in this one. And I feel like he's a good actor. But they've kind of written him into a corner in these movies. And he's not able to show off his talent as much. Right. Because, like, he's great in Man from Uncle. Mm -hmm. Um, The scene where they resurrect him is decent. I actually yeah. think. Like, in the fight against him. Because, mm-hmm. um, once again, you see the range of him because he's actually kind of bad or he's confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During yeah. that. And, um, he's got summoning sickness, magic nerds. Yeah. Um, and that scene, I think, actually works pretty well. Like, it goes yeah. and shows the team dynamic and them kind of interacting well. So, that scene I actually like. And then... Uh, I liked when he takes the mother box from the mascara. Mm-hmm. Um, where Wonder Woman is from. I yeah, liked yeah. that whole sequence a lot, oh, actually. Really? Of them, like tying the mother box to the arrow and like shooting it. And like, I thought that was actually like, there was some like shortcuts that he took that like, if he had longer to make the movie, it felt like an Avenger sequence first Mm. off. Um, And there were certainly some shortcuts like of some moments where people were traveling on horses and they were very close. The camera was very close to them that if he would have had more time would have blown out into this like field that they were being chased across. But I think part of it is like, I gave a crap about those characters because Wonder Woman (laughs) and, um, because uh, Wonder Woman, like the movie Wonder Woman, does a good job setting those characters up. So it was cool to like see them return and like right. um, have something to do in this one. By contrast, the Atlantis scene with Seth Wolf goes and takes another box yeah. doesn't register at all. It's yeah. boring. It like is like I don't know what's happening or why or mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean I know the guy wants the thing, but it's just no impact. Yeah. So. Um, and then 
Batman does one cool thing in the whole movie. Yeah, that was weird. Like, he doesn't have a character arc really at all in nope. the movie. And he doesn't amount to anything. Nope. Besides, like, initially trying to go and recruit, like, one guy. Yep. And just being like, I see why we need a team. Yeah. Credits. <laughs> like, end of Batman's arc. Yeah. Um, But there's, like, one cool sequence in the climax where he, like is in whatever like the bat wing or whatever and like ejects out of it and uses his grappling hook to like swing and kick a parademon and i was like oh that was like batman like that looked like batman that's sweet yeah only moment that really worked with batman for me um you almost kind of sense that like whedon doesn't like batman yeah he's just kind of the butt of a lot of jokes yeah like as somebody who i really love batman like i'm okay with like sometimes taking him down a notch i feel like He's kind of overhyped now, in a yeah. way. Um, especially when dealing with these kind of threats. Like, there's no way he can credibly beat some of them. Right. But um, it just felt weird that he he just, like, has no character arc. And then Ben Affleck kind of has nothing to do, and he seems bored throughout the whole dang thing. Yeah. Um, no, there's that good line. Like, Cyborg has that good line of, like, well, you're being an asshole. I looked this up, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, a fun way to, like, take down Batman. Because sometimes mm-hmm. he needs to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> he can be a little uh, insufferable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the only joke that I liked in the movie. The only joke that made me laugh was um, Batman telling Superman that he needed to help the Flash save the civilians and flash gets to the only civilians we've actually seen their faces mm-hmm. uh in the whole movie and he saves them and then here comes superman like carrying a whole building full of people yeah and i was like oh that's great like yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good. good joke mm-hmm. that's a good joke because it's like it like is tonally consistent i felt like you know yeah. it makes sense that superman would do that i don't know i was like that's cool but see my problem with it was is that it felt like super blatant in, in its attempt to go and be addressing the criticisms of like superman and these dc movies in general which is like they're not really heroes and they don't save people and superman like just let people die and man mm-hmm. of steel which was wrong actually uh, yeah. but it to me it goes and feels like there's just too reactionary mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like it was really genuine does that make sense i mean yeah. i know like it's a movie it's written obviously right. things are contrived to go and do right. things but it uh, See, it was the only joke that registered as genuine to the characters, mm-hmm. to me. Um, especially of, like, you know, Barry Allen being the new kid and being like, I did it! And then, yeah. like, having the most powerful one just be, like, one-upped. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was consistent Yeah, with how the characters, like, the history of the characters. Yeah, like, in terms of, like, they set up the joke and the punchline and all that stuff, it's technically right. Yeah. As, like, as are some things in this movie. Not most right. things, right. but there are some things that are, like, technically correct but it's just so done. It's just done in like the most perfunctory way. Uh-huh. And so it didn't register with me. But it was definitely one of the better jokes. It probably says more about the other jokes than anything. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it. The yeah. after scene, the after credit scene was like kind of sweet. Like yeah. it, lo- it looked sweet. Mm-hmm. It, I like, I wonder if Matt Reeves directed it. Because it looked like super dope. Yeah. I don't know. It was just really like visually appealing. And like, I didn't want to punch jesse eisenberg in his dumb face like he was like a little more restrained but yeah. also kind of kept the kooky stuff that some people liked from his original lex uh maybe it's just because he wasn't in it for the whole movie uh, I think that's what it was um but it like kind of worked i don't know i think seeing him in the classic lex suit helped yes um i thought he like wore it pretty well and he wasn't uh, making anybody go and drink grandma's sweet tea or something yeah, like that yeah 
Um, but like, I thought Deathstroke looked sweet, like his sweet. reveal, and I don't know, like it made me hopeful for like a Batman movie by Matt yeah. Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Like, yeah, I, I feel like the movie to me, the way it came across was like a TV pilot. Sure, which, which makes sense. Whedon. We Whedon. And his pilots are usually way worse than the rest of his series is. Yeah, and that's what it felt like. It's like, okay, I can see this maybe being, like, a first episode that I'm like, uh, all right, but maybe I'll give, like, the rest of a series I'll give a it chance. five and then see how it goes. Right. Which, but this is the fifth one. This is the fifth one, and, you know, the next movie, if they make one, <laughs> depending on the box office. Well, like, Aquaman's kind of yeah, definitely it, happening. That's in the can, and Wonder Woman's in the can. But it's just, like, another group of these people meeting together movie like we have to wait three more years or something like that yeah possibly yeah like oh making a pilot isn't good enough for a movie yeah and that's yep. the issue is you need to go and like hit the ground running yeah and the thing with the avengers is he had what year did that come out 2012 12 yeah he had four years of goodwill that he could deliver on exactly you know he had iron man was the pilot for mm-hmm. that for this man of steel was the pilot but also he was brought in to do this sort of like stitch job on it yeah you know, so it's, I don't know. I feel like it's almost unfair to really judge this movie in any way in terms of the work of the filmmakers involved. Yeah, it's like a combination of people trying to do the best they can do under the circumstances. Yeah. Then again, most movies are. So, you yes, know what I mean? it's like, true. And so, it, to me, it's like they don't get a pass for it. Like, it's true. You know, obviously, I think Whedon was trying to salvage something. And maybe if he had started had it from the start, it could be better. But yeah. I also don't believe that, too, because I feel like the second Avengers movie is weaker than the first. Oh, yeah, it's bad. And you can already tell he's, like, noticeably exhausted in that movie. Yeah. And this movie furthers my belief that he basically put all of his best stuff in the first Avengers. Yeah. And by the third go-around, he's out. Like, I see all the machinations and all that stuff behind this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I get what he's doing. The gears are turning, but it's super obvious that they're turning. And... That wasn't the case in the first Avengers. It felt like it was more earned, mm-hmm. but also it wasn't as obvious. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't know. I'd like to see Zack Snyder's Justice League and Joss Whedon's Justice League. I'd like to see it too. Um, honestly, I would rather see Zack Snyder's Justice League. I feel like that would at least be an interesting mess. Yes. The way most of his movies are. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never walk away from a Zack Snyder film with nothing to talk about. Yes. I agree with that. And, I mean, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm saying that, like, Joss Whedon's first Avengers movie was better than this and the second one. But I didn't really even like first Avengers. Oh, it's good. But, like, it's okay. But my criticisms to this movie kind of apply to that. I mean, that movie's much better executed. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, okay, this is a pilot movie for, like, a universe Okay, and it's good. It's fun in the Avengers. It's less fun. See, I felt like Avengers though was a culmination rather than a pilot. Okay. Um, because I felt like it was like, yeah, it, it felt like oh, we finally get to see them all together. Like we get to see what the pilot's been setting up since mm-hmm. the end of Iron Man one when we saw Nick Fury in Iron Man's apartment. Like, you know, to to borrow from another Universal movie like Fast and Furious, like all roads have led to this. Yeah. But then I feel like at the beginning of that movie, you still kind of deal with the hour of boringness, too. Like, I think on rewatches, the first hour of that movie is kind of 
dull. Sure, I've only seen it twice, yeah. so I don't really know. The um, ending is much better executed because that feels like the culmination, the payoff yes, to everything. Yes, um, but if you end strong, that's kind of the most important part. I agree with that, and that's so, the thing is that like it doesn't leave a better a bitter aftertaste. Yeah, and this is like mm, I don't know. I need to think about it some more and chew on it. <laughs> yeah, this one is just like, all right, that. Yeah. Is a thing that happened to yeah, us. Yeah, and that, that was a movie I saw in 2017. Yep. Yeah, it just didn't register with me at all, really. Um, except that end credit scene, or the end of the, the post credit scene, which I think Matt Reeves directed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have confirmation on that, but it just really seemed like it. I don't know. There was something about it, man, where I just like got a way better sense of character from everything. It was uh, well shot and well lit. Yeah. Yeah, it just had more character than the rest of the movie, which was just nonsense yeah um so that's our review of justice league um we're gonna segue now into talking about something kind of much more blown out than justice league and that is rotten tomatoes uh kind of as an entity so something weird happened last year um batman v superman came out that's not the weird thing the weird thing is that batman v superman that was the bad thing thing. (laughs) batman v superman came out to bad reviews also not a weird thing some movies get bad reviews that's just how movies are. Batman v Superman got such bad reviews that it ended up with like a 16%, maybe like a 26 it's like, or something. It's like 20 now, I think. Yeah, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. And a bunch of nerds got real uppity about it. Yeah. <laughs> and they started calling for the shutdown of Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, something interesting happened this year. with So since then, it's kind of been every time one of these big blockbuster things has come out... Um, Rotten Tomatoes has kind of been Mm -hmm. side-eyed. And we'll talk in a second about why that doesn't make a lick of sense. But, um, so Rotten Tomatoes has been kind of side-eyed. And people have called to shut it down. People have threatened that Rotten Tomatoes is on Disney's payroll because the Marvel things get really well-reviewed. And all this crap. And, like, critics have gotten death threats over their negative reviews of the DC. The DC fan base is pretty toxic right now. (laughs) Um... And then this year with Justice League, Rotten Tomatoes withheld the score of the Justice League. So what happened is reviews started coming out. Mm -hmm. And reviews that are normally on Rotten Tomatoes ended up on Rotten Tomatoes, but there was no percentage. Until like the day before the movie came out, where they released it on their Facebook show, which nobody watches... And even when they released it, it was like a 47% that's dropped down to, I think, like a 36. Yeah, like um, 40% now. 39. Okay. Yeah. So uh, even when they held it until the last second, it was still bad reviews. Yeah. Or at the very least, middling reviews. And then what happened is people started accusing Rotten Tomatoes of screwing with the critic reviews in uh so when a critic submits their review to rotten tomatoes they have to choose whether it's fresh or rotten that's it um so certain critics who gave the movie kind of middling reviews because it's a middling movie uh got concerned readers that were like hey i think they may have marked your rotten review as fresh or vice versa and everyone was like no i just marked it like i, I had a choice between two things and fresh made the most sense or rotten made the most sense so uh Ron Tomatoes has been the center of a lot of controversy, but is it warranted? Also, 
More backstory. Warner Brothers is a minority owner yes. of the parent company of of Rotten Tomatoes, which is Fandango. Also, more backstory than that, too, is that Rotten Tomatoes is getting kind of blamed for a lot of these blockbusters over the summer yes. underperforming, yes. like Transformers or Pirates of the Caribbean. The Mummy. Yeah. It, yeah, it started this, like, we made this for the fans. Yeah, we made uh. this for the fans, and, uh, like, people are like being deterred from seeing our bad movies because they're getting bad reviews and because people don't want to see bad movies therefore Rotten Tomatoes is bad yeah did you understand that logic? no um so okay so is it warranted? I'm on the I'm I'm on the no I'm a firm no yeah I'm like like, I'm like taking so long to say because it's like super obvious no (laughs) yeah um, I mean, I think the withholding the review stuff is kind of stupid and it doesn't make sense. Shady and I don't know if it's shady. It's not, just dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, is it just to go and drive traffic for their stupid YouTube show or Facebook yeah, show? I can I see mean, it just being like a vertical integration. You know, yeah, like which I hate because like right. to me, you're going there to go and get one thing. Right. You know, like I, I don't like this uh, like octopus like system that Rotten Tomatoes thinks it has to be something more than it is. Right. But. The key point is that having an aggregate is a metric and a tool, and it's nice to have. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> to a point. Yes. Um, now, I agree. I think that uh, uh, Rotten Rotten Tomatoes is n- not a threat to cinema. I think nope. Rotten Tomatoes is, uh, you know, j- it, like, all it does is n- Google for you. Yes. Like, that's literally all it does is it Googles for you, and then mm. it's like, this is what they said. Right. Now. The problem lies in the user base mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so what's happening through no fault of Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic is people are going on their Flickster app, on their Fandango app, whatever, saying Justice League has a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's go see that. Let's not go see that. Mm-hmm. I don't give a heck what crit- critics say. I, I do care what critics say. But what they're not doing is digging into the nuances of the criticism um by which i mean the binary system is there right if i give a movie a middling review i then have to choose whether or not that's a good middling review or a bad middling review there's no it's okay review on rotten tomatoes so the problem lies in people aren't reading criticism anymore and so that now they're putting this public perception out that the movie's good bad in or whatever good or bad that's it Mm -hmm. they see the green and then the percentage and say that's bad they see the red and the percentage and say that's good Mm -hmm. that's it but what you need to do rotten tomatoes like you said is a metric and a tool Mm -hmm. and the two things that a metric and a tool will not give you is details yeah (laughs) um you have to then use the metrics to extrapolate the details or use the tools to dig out the details Mm -hmm. So through no fault of Rotten Tomatoes is this. Uh, That's a good idea. I think Rotten Tomatoes is a great idea. Um, But what needs to happen is you either need to have a really good grasp of certain voices in film criticism, because I will say I don't read a lot of film criticism. um, But I know like when I see blurbs from certain critics, what they, you know, and that's because I follow them on Twitter and interact with them sometimes, you know. I'm more ingrained in that world, so I kind of can read into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll see like a good or bad, you know, um, Zootopia came out to a 98%. I wasn't super interested to seeing that movie, in seeing that movie, but I did. And it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's on the good side of fine. So that means when people went to submit their reviews for Zootopia, even if they were like, that was all right. Yeah. They still have to call it a fresh review. That's still mm-hmm. technically a good review of the movie. Right. You know, there were plenty that said it's a masterpiece, modern classic, whatever, right. like going to be a revered kids film. But even if I go and say it's all right, I have to mark that as fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those types of things lead to a higher fresh rating and just being like, oh, it's kind of a nothing movie. That's bad. Yeah. Um, which is technically bad, but that's like a that's like a bad middling review. Right. Um, so then I have to go and mark that as rotten. So. The users have to keep that in mind, and the majority of Rotten Tomatoes users do not. Agreed. On the other hand, I mean, that's just an extension of, like, a time-old problem with reviews in general. It's just back when it was just a look at a single review, people would also just go and pay attention to the amount of stars at the end of the review. Oh, no, that's a whole separate conversation. I (laughs) do not... I do not like putting a rating on my yeah. reviews. Um, I write for a couple sites that make me do so, and mm-hmm. I do it to stay within the guidelines of the people I'm writing for mm-hmm. and be respectful of that. If you go to my blog, which I haven't written a review on in a long time, you will not find a rating at the end of it Right. for two reasons. One, don't look at the rating, read the review. Yep. Two, don't look at the rating, read the review. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I say that because, one, you're going to get a better sense of what the movie is actually like by reading a review. Two, I do this for free. Yeah. So I put like at least an... uh, So when I write a review, here's what I'll do. I'll go see the movie. Two hours, we'll call. Uh, That's two hours. Then I spend time thinking about the movie or talking about it. Maybe another 45 minutes, maybe another hour, maybe another two hours. Then I sit and organize my thought. Probably about, on average, another 45 minutes. Uh, Then I go and write my review. Uh, I'll average that to about an hour and a half for me to write a review. So I've spent, I don't know, eight hours, six hours on one review. I don't care review. about that. Some of your stars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I've gotten and put in six hours of my own time and in some cases money to write this review. I want you to read every last word of it because <laughs> I wouldn't have writ it, written it if I didn't want you to read it. What you're just telling me is that you should just go and issue reviews that are only stars then and you save yourself a little bit more time. Boo! <laughs> All right, let's close up the podcast. We're done. <laughs> We're done here. Uh, Batman, or no, Justice League, bad. You shouldn't watch. Okay. I mean, you probably shouldn't see the movie, but I, it's not going to hurt you if you do. Like, I, I'm not going to actively discourage anyone from seeing the dance. I don't know. But don't you care more about our opinions about why we didn't like it? Yes, you yeah, do. Yeah, you do. You still should. listening at this point. It's better than the movie, I guarantee that. Oh, yeah. I think it was more entertaining hour, at least. Yep. Uh, I mean, Thor was completely the better movie. Yeah. Like, this actually makes me re- not, well, not reevaluate Thor, but I have a basis of comparison that's more recent where I'm like, okay, that was a truly bad movie. I'm just indifferent about Thor, but it was still good. Yeah. Yeah. And the, th- the problem with... <laughs> Justice League being a bad movie is that it's not a disaster piece the way Suicide Squad is. Like right. Suicide Squad is fun to talk about. I'll yeah, say that. It was. <laughs> um, is f- it's not a fun watch, but it's f- it's not so bad that it's good, but it's really fun to talk about because that movie is clown shoes. Yeah. This movie is not that fun to talk about because it's nothing. Yeah. It's not, you know, this, you know, poop ballet. Nope. <laughs> um, but it's also not this like kind of lead balloon that Mm -hmm. is not full of full of crap but also doesn't get off the 
ground, but has some weight to it. The way a Zack Snyder movie is. So yeah. it's just kind of there. Um, it's the worst kind of bad movie as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but you wouldn't know that if you just listened to a... Uh, if you just looked at the stars on yeah. our review. Exactly. So, which we don't do. Um, so I agree with you that um, at the end of the day, like people use Rotten Tomatoes wrongly. I know, I know personally myself, and I'm glad you brought the Zootopia thing, because I saw that rating, and I was like, uh, something in my brain was like, oh, it's like a 98% of a great movie. Like, it must be nearly perfect then. Right. And then, like, I watched it, and I was like, okay, that was enjoyable, I guess. Yeah. And, like, I treated it that way, too. And people have, outside of us, go and do this, too. Mm-hmm. And you have to go and keep in mind, it just means people liked it. Yeah. And people I liked Zootopia. Like I didn't and, love it, but yeah. I liked it. It was a good movie. And there's plenty of people that I still disagree with. It's still not gospel. Like, yeah. That, like, even if you go and just take the, is it, did people think it was good? People think it was bad on that mm-hmm. level. Not in just like a, is it perfect or whatever. Um, there's still plenty of people I disagree with or movies I disagree should have been even that. Like, I personally, I know there are people who think that like the Star Wars movies should be like rotten trash or whatever, right. and whatever the prequels. Yeah, and um, actually, those movies have like pretty decent reviews. There's like the lowest one is still like seventy percent. But anyway, some people think that like they're terrible trash, and like I like them. They're good. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't. I don't know. I mean, everyone's gonna have unpopular and popular opinions. That's how people yeah. are. We're not. You know this sort of binary thing of good bad right and you that's know? and the problem is that people try to sometimes treat rotten tomatoes like some sort of gospel like okay that was the fun like people have determined that that was objectively crap yeah you know i was like no that's not how this yeah. works either also rotten tomatoes has audience scores yeah. you can go and directly affect not the overall rotten tomato score but right next to i think in a very fair manner mm. smaller than the critics review but you don't get paid to do it um smaller than the critics review but near it you can go and see what the audience the regular rotten tomatoes users are saying about the movie and whether or not it lines up with what the critics say or not yep. so you can get a very at least a fairly accurate representation of what quote general audiences think of the movie and finally to go and address the whole oh uh these movies performed bad because they got bad reviews contra quote unquote controversy because i feel like it's pretty much one-sided it's just a bunch of big studio execs butthurt it's people who made the movie who were like yeah um stop making bad movies (laughs) yeah like sorry now obviously there are exceptions such as People kind of cited Blade Runner as a movie that got good reviews and then wasn't rewarded for it in the box office. It's because it was long as hell. Yeah. And I would argue it's because that movie actually wasn't as good as some people think it is. It was all right. It was okay. Um, uh, but, like, yeah, so <laughs> something I put on my Facebook was, uh, you know, the mummy director. It was this headline that says, the mummy director, Alex Kurtzman, says, Alex Kurtzman says, we made a film for audiences, not critics. So what I went and did is I went and screenshotted the tomato meter and the audience score for The Mummy. Tomato meter, 16%. Audience score, 43%. Uh, so I just said math checks out. Hey, man, it was three times the Rotten Tomatoes score. So Sure. <laughs> no, but yeah, the whole that whole debate is so dumb. I think everybody realizes that you make a good movie, and you may not get rewarded for it, but you make a bad movie. In today's age, word of mouth kills a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, more than a review does. Yeah. 
That being said, everyone go see Book of Henry because that movie is insane and terrible and I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's a place for really bad, so bad they're good movies. I don't, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm not an irony watcher at all, but there are two movies that came out this year that made me go see them ironically and that was the mummy and book of henry and holy moly did i have a great time at book of henry (laughs) holy moly did i have a great time at that movie um gosh that movie that movie is the disaster piece of 2017 as far as i'm concerned like it's a nuts like bug nuts movie man gosh um but that's the kind of like bad movie that's fun to watch and justice league is not no so yeah that's all i got yeah sorry i was kind of wanting to like eviscerate it more but you can't you can't it's just it's like watching like like a kid who gets picked on (laughs) like just and like kind of sucks at everything in school like everyone have one of those friends and then he just kind of sucks and conforms to your expectations and you feel bad for him but you can't do anything for him and you can't hate him because he's so pathetic and it's sad yeah as i call these types of movies like this movie is like bad cotton candy it just like evaporated on my brain as i watched it like be impressed you got the plot description you did for this movie because i've forgotten most of it and it's been 27 hours since i've seen it yeah So that's all we have to say about Justice League. Uh, I hope you're having a fantastic and happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to this the week it comes out. If you're listening to this for um, travel purposes, uh, be safe out there um, and go eat a bunch of turkey or ham or whatever it is your family eats on Thanksgiving. Um, We'll be back in two weeks to talk about something. Uh, I honestly don't know the release schedule for the rest of the year. I have an idea, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Yeah. uh, Until next time. Booyah. My man. I dig it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That was all of Aquaman's dialogue. Yep. That's literally all he says in the movie. Oh, man. I bet that Wahoo sounds great. (laughs)